we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com, as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at. I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, it's Marley with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing? Good, I hope. I'm doing good. Um, I know you're not going to see or hear the show for a little bit, but, you know, we've gone into autumn. As a matter of fact, this is the first few days of October which is my favorite holiday. Halloween! Yes. <sighs> Unusual, right? <laughs> Probably, if anybody took a guess, they would know that that's one of my favorite holidays. But really, uh, this is my favorite season. Not that it's much of a season here in South Florida because it's just, just a little bit less hot, kind of. And we get rid of our rainy season, kind of. But still, anyway, it, it is my favorite season. And of course, you know, this is the home stretch of the year. We go from Halloween, then we got Thanksgiving, and before you know it, we got Christmas, holidays, New Year's, etc., etc. And, and believe it or not, we're going to be into 2019. It is incredible how fast time flies. And before, remember when I was a kid, you would say a year, and a year was like forever. And that doesn't hold true anymore. But anyway, let me tell you about the guest that I have today. Super excited about this guest. Very interesting gentleman. His name is James Keenan. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He was born in uh, in L.A., in California. He grew up drifting through the West Coast and Southwest of the United States. Uh, he graduated high school in El Paso, Texas, and later earned his B.A. in interdisciplinary studies from the University of California, with his major focus being in anthropology and archaeology. Uh, he's had multiple careers that include 
law enforcement. Uh, he's also traveled the world in order to document stranger out of place historical anomalies. He's the author of Dark Shadows and Catastrophe, Blue Blood on the Border, and 1022-2036, and a continuation of Dark Shadows and Catastrophe. And later on, we're going to ask James about these books because I was reading the the plot line uh, about the, it, they sound all so super, super interesting. But before we get to that, we are going to welcome him and, of course, ask him but we ask everybody, how was it if they even had a first encounter with a supernatural? So how are you doing today, James? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you, Marley, for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, as you could tell, um, did you ever have uh, any type of encounter, brush with a supernatural, even if at the moment you didn't recognize it for what it was in childhood or at all? I did. Uh as a matter of fact, uh, when I initially had started writing Dark Shadows and Catastrophe, mm -hmm. and um, just unfortunately, you know, due to the careers that I had, which were in law enforcement, if I felt that if I had done the autobiography and told people about what had happened to me, okay. it would so I ended up adding a little bit of storyline oh. uh, to basically what was my life. So this is like and a disguised biography is what you're saying. It, it is, yes, very much so. Um, so uh, when I was about a year and a half old, I drowned, and I was five to ten minutes underwater. Uh, it took uh, quite a while for them to resuscitate me. How long were you underwater? Uh, I was in the pool for about five to ten minutes before oh they found God. me. Oh, my God. Totally non-responsive. Uh, fortunately, uh, somebody there uh, was able to conduct CPR until the paramedics got there and fortunately resuscitated me. Okay. But uh, right from that get-go, from that uh, near-death experience, I crossed over to the other side. Okay. And um, in Dark Shadows and Catastrophe, the main character, you know, I, I just changed from from that point. You know, I was in a different place. Uh, what I can, what I tell people is. The senses were different. I didn't use sight, so I guess everything was very dark, but um, I don't think sight was being used. It was more of, and I'm not really sure how to explain it, just different senses that we don't use now, but okay. uh, I could feel, I could see, not see, but I mean I could feel and sense okay. more or less uh, all types of presences around me. Uh, beings, um, I was able to travel or just be everywhere or all different types of places. Okay. And, but again, it wasn't by, uh, just this feeling and this sense of, uh, of having access to everything. And then I was brought back 
And when I was brought back, what was really interesting was even though I was a year and a half, absolutely everything in my life from the moment, uh, from the experience while I was gone, and then everything from that point on, I have very good recollection of what a one and a half year old did all that time as well. Right, exactly. Because I was going to ask you, because, you know, were you able to remember, considering your age, what you felt or thought, you know, that experience? You remembered it afterwards? Uh, absolutely everything. Uh, like I said, it, it's, it's wow. still difficult to explain to people because I say, all this darkness, you didn't see light, but there was no vision. It was, right. it was more of, uh, of, of just uh, togetherness with absolutely everything and everywhere at one time. Right. And I understand what you're saying because we always think of things being either light or dark because of if we're looking through our eyes, you know, you're able to distinguish, you know, in other words, that we're in our physical body and we're using our eyesight. From what you're describing, it's almost like you were outside of the confines of a body or eyes. So I see what you're saying, whether to determine whether something is light or dark or and let me ask you, did you change it, especially, let's say, from the perspective of your parents? Did they, did you change at all your behavior as a little kid after that? You know, um, they said that I acted like a little adult at that point. Okay. Um, I, I, was, I picked up on language. I could read and write at a very young age. Wow. Um, I understood uh, concepts that shouldn't have been understood until later on in life. Okay. Um, better than, you know, what a toddler's would have been. And my memory, I just, I absolutely remember just everything, uh, like where I lived when I was three, four years old. I returned when I was in my 20s and drove right to the house where I was at with no problem. Wow. Um, I didn't even need, you know, a Thomas guide or anything That's back in the time that I had gone. And James, let me ask you when you came, I know you were a child and, you know, did you feel good after that experience? Because, you know, so many people have those uh, near-death experiences. Most have very positive things. And as a matter of fact, it changes them in a positive direction. You've got a few that kind of like, detail something very dark but in this case it's, you were so young how did you feel when you came back or did you ever have a moment where, like some people decided that you didn't want to come back th and that's exactly it was I was completely at peace it was like the I could have ever been and I didn't want to come back um, wow. but obviously I woke up in you know in the back of the ambulance and you know, and, and happy to see my parents, and I, I don't think I let go of my mother for several hours. Um, I bet she didn't um, let go of you for several days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I remember the the doctor in the uh, ER telling them that I was going to have uh, issues. Uh, yeah. I was going to um, have you know mental capacity issues right, and not be able what? to. They, they thought that you had suffered like a lack lack of oxygen to your brain. It, Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, yeah, and what was weird was point I started seeing, like, 
black wavy portals um, not like portals would other people explain or say that when they see a portal it was almost like like a thick liquid that was alive uh, not in any type of you know oval shape or circular shape just right. uh, just portals forming and then after about a couple weeks it just it went away it stopped okay okay and wow that is intense do you think that what you were seeing are portals that are there all the time that we just don't see and then of course like you said maybe after a few weeks it wasn't that they weren't there it's just that you couldn't see them anymore and that's exactly because later on I do see them quite a bit even to this day okay 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 right yeah because but it had, it was like a lost maybe I didn't start seeing them again until I was four or five years old so there was two and a half three years until that and having other negative paranormal experiences Wow. And because, see, I'm thinking now, you probably were a magnet for anything supernatural, paranormal. I'm thinking he probably didn't even have to move into a haunted house. It's like wherever he went, there it goes. You know, what what happened as a child? When was it? What were, besides seeing the portals, what, what was the next thing that happened to you? Well, sure. Uh, like you said, my, my book was called Dark Shadows and Catastrophe, and right. obviously that name, uh, because what I ended up seeing were was a shadow figure. Um, uh-huh. We had moved from Hollywood, California, to La, uh, La Habra, California, which is out in Orange County, and I was four years old, and moved to this new house nothing had happened after the portals for a couple weeks and once we moved into this house everything was fine for probably about a month and then one night uh, my room was all towards the end and my parents room was at the very end of the hall and uh, it was pretty dark inside the room there was just a single you know window next to my bed and I had a nightlight and one night about a month into it, I was laying there having trouble going to sleep. And there were a bunch of Hot Wheel cars and marbles up on a bookcase. Okay. I always put the marbles, I have a little bit of OCD, so I always put the marbles and then surrounded it with the Hot Wheels. Um, and there was this no way for, you know, the marbles to come unless something like that. Okay. But there was none. And all of a sudden the marble started falling to the ground and then the hot wheel and it kind of freaked me out Um, and you know I started screaming it's like I imagine your room is quiet and you're trying to sleep and it's like those little noises they seem magnified imagine to a kid that's in his room by himself trying to sleep oh definitely (laughs) and for the next couple of nights, just things looked like they were moving uh, toys, uh, and I would, you know, it, it, I couldn't sleep. Um, and then my parents, I would, you know, start screaming or whatever. They'd come in and wait until I fell asleep. Finally, but 
probably about four, three or four days, uh, the marbles in a Hot Wheels fell. Um, I rarely would allow my uh, walk-in closet door to be left open. And it wasn't completely shut, but it had been, uh, you know, closed but not pushed in completely. Uh And that night, the door started opening on its own. And, yeah, like a like a four foot tall shadow figure came flying out of it. Uh, oh. I could never see a face on it, but uh-huh. you could still kind of make out. It was wavy, okay. um, dark, super dark, almost like what the, the portals looked like mm-hmm. uh, to me, that dark wavy blackness. Right. It it had arms but no legs and it had a hat on but really not a top hat or what people say it more right, right. It, it it looked more like and i know this is strange but like what the hat peter pan had okay yeah i know what you're talking about on, like one of those robin hood hats kind like of, a, you know. right like a robin hood like a hunter's cap exactly uh-huh, right right and holy crap yeah. And, and do you think that this, it was because, you know, you and I, I'm fascinated because you're saying it's four foot tall. And usually, you know, a lot of people say these shadow people are they're like on the tall side. Do you think he was short because he didn't have legs or it's just that no legs were visible? That's I don't know which is worse, the tall ones or the short one that you're describing. It's like, oh. it, it, yeah, it, it looked like like a human, like a just a, a dark shadowed human, except for see um, like the, the the back end of the legs and feet it, it never had that oh my God. Um, but the rest of the body was complete oh. and it would move it would fly around hide under the bed um, move things around it never never spoke never said anything um, and for the next uh, few days it just it terrified me how did you, and, I mean, for a kid, that must have been, how did you sleep? I, I wouldn't have been, I, I wouldn't have stayed in that room. My parents would have had to. I, would, I, I couldn't God. move. I couldn't scream. I, I, I felt like something was on top of my chest. What? Um, I, I was frozen in, in the bed. I, I just, I, I was paralyzed. I, no matter how much I tried to move, it just felt like a, like an anvil or a huge rock had been put on my chest. And all I could do was watch this thing tor- torture and torment me. Um, and I couldn't do anything about it. And, and it was what, at the beginning, what, it was just confined to your bedroom at night? Correct. And then later on, it started becoming physical where it would, I mean, it would physically come in contact with me and cause abrasions. Uh, one time it lifted me up and dropped me. Um, and this went on for a long time. And no matter what I told my parents, they just thought, um, you know, that I was a kid and I was, you know, imagining this. What I was about to ask you is, it sounds like at no time your your parents had 
no experience whatsoever with this thing. At that time, At correct. At that time, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. And initially, it was in a room, um, but as time went on, it would attack me in the bathroom at I was trying to get from you know the dark hall out to the living room or to the kitchen and this happened for a long and there there were points to where I would just be a wreck and screaming and crying when it was bedtime my parents had to stay with me would it appear let's say if and I know you said that you had a night light if you had a light like a regular lamp would it still appear or did it have to be dim or almost dark no no because like in the bathroom and all that it started coming at me in the afternoon um that the house was dark uh there there wasn't a lot of natural light not many windows but still it was light enough and it still would attack me Okay, so it, this was not something. <laughs> what? Marlene's thinking of the vampire thing. It's like, it can't come in the light, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Oh, my God. It, it, <laughs> oh, it, it, it didn't even care later on about the night light. It's, it still would show up. And it would, it would, many times what it would do was it would take my covers and slam them around me and, like, crush me with the covers it was like pulling on all sides uh-huh. until I could barely breathe and sometimes I'd pass out because I just there wasn't enough oxygen how did you survive this I, 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 I'm, it, it, it was horrifying and it lasted for years and what happened was um, uh, my parents ended up uh, having another I had a little sister okay. and I got moved down to the first room at the beginning of the hallway because they were going to put that room um, closest to their room. And she had been there probably for about a month or two from the hospital in the house, and they had not yet put her in that room. They they still had her in one of those small little little uh, cribs in their room. Uh And one night in the new room, this thing just started toying with me and it seemed like it always wanted to communicate that it couldn't and the more I couldn't understand it the more and ticked off it would get and that's when it would get worse and worse in a physical sense with me okay. but one day it even though you couldn't see its face it it came right up in my face face uh, horizontally while I was in the bed oh. just like an inch away and it it seemed to grin and then it flew out the hall went right down I followed it I, I jumped up because uh, it had never done that before and it went right into my parents room and I started hearing screaming and was yelling and you could just hear stuff shaking and I was I was freaking out. I, I ran as fast as I could, and my mom was screaming. There was, it wasn't what I saw. Um, I saw the, that that same fourth, and I used to call it an, my dark pan or an evil pan because that's what it looked evil like pan. to me. Holy crap! That's pretty. Yeah, that that's pretty sinister, but that sounds pretty accurate too. Yeah, and what was happening was my father was on the bed. He couldn't get out, and the bed was being 
I mean, up and down several feet off the ground. And my father was just being bounced and he couldn't get off because this on top of him. And my mom was screaming. And I don't remember exactly what she said to it. It stopped the shaking, looked at her, turned around, looked at me, and then flew right through the wall out into the backyard or where the backyard would have been. And my parents at that point, they lost it. They were crying. They were like, I can't believe all this. You know, we thought that you were, you know, we, we, they, they thought something was wrong with me. They must have felt so bad. Yeah. And, um, they finally had, you know, a run in with what I had been going through. But the next day when we, they said that all they saw was like this huge black mass. And my mom said it looked like a big black bear attacking my father. But that's not what I saw. I saw my pan attacking them. Right. So I don't know. Uh, I guess the to see its form, its true form, and they were able to see uh, its energy. Or right, right. Yeah, like a modified that, version. Right. And, and I mean, I, I came to that understanding, obviously, later on in life, not, not right at that point. So, hey, James, your parents, but, I imagine talk about a coming to Jesus moment they must have been and just out of curiosity neither one of them had run across something like this or, you know when they were younger mm, nothing that they had ever told me and I asked okay. them later in life and they were absolutely not and it, it, it was it was the only time they ever had a run in with this thing by this time, and I know you were a kid, obviously, did you ever get a sense, was this something that was non-human, or was this a very dark human spirit? Or you just, did, at that point, didn't care? You know, it was just like you know I, yeah, yeah, at that age, I, I didn't really, I, it never really came into my mind to think, you know, yeah, what like, it was I thought it was it's just, horrible. Yeah, it, it was just this thing that, I called it my evil pan. That's what I thought it was at that time. And do you think that this was something that came back with you, or was it something because that was part of that house where your family moved to? Well, see. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. And we, we moved from La Habra to Tustin. And nothing happened at 
that house. Okay. Um, so I thought that it was due to the house. It was a new house. Um, you know, who knows what was there before. Okay. But so it had gone away. Unfortunately, then we moved to Paradise Valley, Arizona when I was seven or eight. Okay. And it it was a rainy day and we'd been there probably for about six, seven, eight months. And we, my sister and I were playing in a spare bedroom that was being used as storage. My parents had put all the Mayflower boxes into that room. Okay. We'd go play tag in there, you know, running around on top of the boxes. And my mom would always yell that, you know, because we'd get in trouble, we weren't supposed to be yeah, doing that. It was pouring outside, it was dark, and I'm chasing my sister on top of the boxes, flying out of a box, grabbed me from the head and pulled me inside of the box and oh closed the box. And my sister, she doesn't remember. She was, I think, two and a half, maybe three years old. And um, she went running out to my mom. And by the time my mom got in there, um, I was still trying to get out of the box and I couldn't. And then when she started trying to get over, then it, it let go or whatever. She didn't see anything uh, on top. Uh, and that was the last time that I saw that dark shadow figure uh, until I was 15 years old and um, when I was 15 was the last time I had a run in with that when I uh, I'd seen it a couple times in our house uh, but it never did anything and by that time when I was 15 I had quit being afraid of it I was more angry and you know, I, I can imagine by now you must have been desensitized it's like Hey, yeah. Exactly. I almost wanted to get even with it at uh -huh. that point. Yeah. And when I was, was on a waterbed in my room, and the bed started shaking so violently that it threw me out of the bed. And that's a dumb thing to do with a waterbed. <laughs> For those people who don't know what they're like, <laughs> those waterbeds yeah. weigh a ton. And I landed on my stomach. And it pushed me down into the floor, into the carpeting, to the point where I could barely breathe. I think losing consciousness. And I, at that point, I just I fought back for the first time, and it let go, and I never saw it again. Wow. But when we moved from Paradise Valley. We moved to Littleton, Colorado. Um, I, I went from eight to nine years old at that time. Mm -hmm. And one day, my parents had left something down in the basement. And, oh my gosh, that's the worst thing for... Let me tell you something. The creepiest, most disturbing stories and encounters I've ever had always take place in the basement. I don't know what's yeah. going on with that. But anyway, and, go and ahead. So it's like, it. lucky We never you. had a basement. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, in Arizona and California, they're rare. Uh-huh. And 
so I had to go down there and it was just horrific to have to go from you know this first floor down to the basement I got to the basement the lights I turned on the lights I went down the stairs when I got to the bottom of the stairs the lights went out <laughs> oh my god I'm sorry I'm laughing but <laughs> I they I Oh my God! I okay, keep going because I, I was horrified. But yeah, okay, what was, that's an understatement. But anyway, go ahead. Oh my! This, you, did you? What did you do? You run back upstairs or? No, because this I I looked around in the in the dark basement, and and it had you know they have those real thin uh, windows up towards the top where yes. it, and I, I think it was a full moon, so there was still. And I saw multiple portals for the first time in years since I, wow. since those couple weeks that I had drowned. And what was crazy was I was watching this portal and I saw figures, about five or six of them, come out of the portals. <laughs> and they were going about their business as if. I had gone into their world accidentally. Okay. And it seems like they were just day, whatever they do every day, or it was right. weird. And I had a sense, even at that age, I, I'm pretty sure I was nine, that it almost felt like I went into the wrong. Right. Um, and I'm I'm not sure how to. Right, right. Quite in other words, a... you went there instead of them coming over here to this plane that you were on. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. Uh -huh. Suddenly, one of them noticed me, turned, and they all turned. <laughs> and they were... And I got grabbed by one and pushed up against the, the cinder block wall. It grabbed me by the throat, and I could feel it crushing me. And, and were these like shadow people like the other one or did they have more regular features I guess? Yeah, they had more regular features and they were tall. Okay. And suddenly there was like this brilliant burst of red light and it came flying across the bay a wave of fire. It, it, it wasn't fire but it just it seemed that that's like the closest thing that I can explain. Okay. And they turned and looked at it and it just consumed us all and they were gone. And I didn't feel any heat or anything. I just, it was just this brilliant, like the deepest red I've ever seen. Just, and then suddenly I was by myself in the basement and in the basement light and everything was on. I grabbed what I needed to grab and just went flying up the stairs. And, I did and not. You and and this had been years other, since you had seen the portals, right? Right. The the last time was when I was a year and a half old. Okay. God. So, then I didn't have any anything else until I was fifteen in El Paso. So you went then through a few years where everything was. I'm sure you must have thought, thank God. 
I'm not having <laughs> Exactly. And what happened? What, what do you think, I mean, besides the fact that you were an adolescent, was there a trigger that you think that what happened, you started seeing things again? Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't, I saw at that time, and then I didn't see any till I was 15, and I ran into that, that evil pan for the last time. And then I didn't have, uh, on occasion, I would see a portal just form, but it was just black. It it looked like dark matter. I I don't know how to explain it. Like it was almost alive, Uh but just darkness and, and whatever it was in front of you couldn't see anything behind it. And it was irregular shapes. It was never oval or anything like that. And, um, and did you always see it at your house, or did you ever see it in just any place that you went to? So it, it was, I, I, I rarely saw them at my house. I would see them in just the strangest places sometimes uh, when I was um, out in the desert. It seemed a lot of the times to be out in the desert. Really? That's, that's see, and, and you think about it, usually in the desert, like very you know not that many people have lived out there that's that's interesting and imagine as oh my god you must have you must have been so brave by the time you were an adolescent considering what you had gone through as a kid did your sister ever have her own experiences or because it almost sounds like you were the target of everything she never saw anything uh, wow. even when I in uh, Arizona she just doesn't remember anything and then, yeah, and then there was just that one incident with my parents. Wow. But it sounds like something that they couldn't forget no matter what. Oh, no, definitely not. So fast forward, here you are, you're an adolescent, and and then what happens as you become an adult? Did it, did you get like a, a rest period again, or, or what happened? Oh portals now and then and you know nothing and nothing no nothing per until I was a police officer okay and this is in the book too um, because it, it was just uh, an incredibly weird experience uh, it was my rookie year and I was with my partner mm-hmm. and we were in El Paso we had gone to a, uh, this house multiple times on a domestic violence call. Uh, the husband and the wife, and they had three or four children. They were always fighting. And it was never physical, but when we were there, I mean, they were just screaming at one another all the time and right. cussing, and the kids were crying. He had never hit her. She never hit him, so we never Right, like as far as having jail. to arrest anybody, I take it. Correct. But uh, my partner was pretty fed up at that time, and he had he told the husband he said that from the house down here, I want he, he wanted everybody to sit in the living room on the sofa, and he, what we were going to tell them is that this crap has to stop. Um, if we're coming back out next time, we're arresting both of them um, for the and. He had the husband and wife, they were sitting on the couch, and I believe it was three kids. It was sitting on the couch, and one was sitting on a recliner. 
and my partner was talking to him and I about 12 to 15 feet back closer towards the entry, the front door and the stairs that go up uh, when you turn to the left there was stairs that went upstairs from the front door and so he's talking to them and I could see him from where I person in the recliner but I couldn't see the kids or the I think it was the mom and all of a sudden everybody in the house started hearing somebody to tell us to go F off and then it wasn't yeah it was from upstairs and then we started hearing a lot of people yell you know get the F out it just it was crazy you guys must have been like who are they hiding up there well exactly so my partner started yelling at the father. He said, I told you I wanted everybody down here now. I said, and he, he told him, he goes, I am sick of that's happening. I'm sick and tired of coming here. And the father had tears in his eyes. Um, and I couldn't see what the mom or the kids were doing, but the father had tears coming down his eyes and he was trembling. And he told my partner, we are all here. He goes, we're having issues in the house and I can't explain it. He goes, but we're all down here. There's no one else in the house. And I'm looking upstairs, and I just hear different voices yelling and screaming at What was it, like men and women I. all together? It, it was so many voices. It was hard to tell what, who, who was yelling and screaming. It, it was just so many. And I told my partner, I said, I'll go up and... <laughs> The father like, okay. said, we're here. <laughs> I'll stay down here with him. <laughs> yeah. So I had my mag light at that time. 90s. Oh, it, was, it was 1994, I believe. So because of what? And it was dark upstairs? It was dark upstairs, correct. Oy. And I went up uh, probably about 12, 13, 14 steps. And on both sides of the Remember that old, the 80s style, old laminated wood walls yes. where it, and it looked like uh, all the little ovals in it, uh, like uh-huh. the tree trunks and all that. Yes, yes, yes. So I get to the top and I enter the hallway and at this, there are hundreds of people yelling and screaming at me upstairs. And I have my, my mag light on, I don't see anyone in the hall, but I turn to the left and then to the right because I see movement on the walls. Well, when I flash my light, all I can see are thousands of faces um, that had formed in the walls and they were following and screaming and yelling and telling my partner and I to get the F out of here. We don't belong here. And that is, and this is the I, thing. Every From what you're describing, everybody there was hearing this. And this including my partner. Right. I mean, it wasn't like I'm the only one hearing it. Everybody's looking at you saying, what are you talking about? Everybody was hearing this. Right. And my partner was calling out to me, but I was still taking in what was happening. Uh And apparently he must have called out several times. Or he called in uh, for backup. Sure. Um, And I didn't hear that because the, the screaming was so loud where I was, I couldn't hear my radio. And he... Uh, thinking that something was wrong with me and finally I yelled down to him and I called him by his name and then I told him hey you won't believe what's going on you got to come up here right away 
and the father says, we, we won't move, we'll stay here. He goes, we've been having issues. And, and um, I could barely make out what they were talking because it was so loud. It's walking from the living room to the stairs, and then suddenly everything stops except for one voice, and I could see this one face at the end of the left side of the wall paneling looking at me. Oh. And he tells me, he goes, you guys aren't effing supposed yeah you you weren't meant to be here anymore and at that time I didn't kind of put two and two together as you know or think about that but my partner comes up the staircase and he sees the moving in the wall but it's silent now and he doesn't he doesn't know what to do he was capped like he he started kind of (laughs) He, he started kind of like freaking. He was like, what, what's going, what is this? What, what's going on? And two or three officers at that point come through the door downstairs. And they go, they, they call him by his last name. What's going on? What's wrong? And he looks, and I look, and back to normal laminated wood, and there's nothing. And um, so, you know, we told him, hey, we thought there were other people in the house. Yeah, but, quick. I can't but imagine. we searched. It's like, how do you yeah, explain we, this? Exactly. How do you explain it? But um, so they, they left and we talked to the family and, you know, we told them, hey, you got to go get help and all that. But that was another paranormal incident that I had. Had they um, had that experience prior to that moment? Had a lot of weird things happening, but they never had like that. that. Yeah, not like that. And it had never communicated with anyone else outside of their family. Okay, so they had was the something was one. going on that was going on, uh, that there was communicating that, but they didn't have like a whole, the cast of thousands, it sounds like. And, and obviously it sounds like it, they were aware of you guys. Correct. Wow, my God. Did you, did you guys but, ever get a call back to go back to that house again? No, no, we didn't. I bet. But later on in life, um, I had talked to people about what had happened. Um, you know, even when I first started writing Dark Shadows and Catastrophe, I started it in the late 1990s. Mm-hmm. And I stopped. Well, there was an incident, the reason why I stopped, but um, stopped doing it because uh, I was still in law enforcement in California then. Uh, okay. And um, I didn't know. I, I didn't. I, I was, you know, I was afraid to tell people and anything. About, good like, reason. A good reason. Yeah. And I was embarrassed too, especially sure. in law enforcement. I mean, that would have ended my career. Uh huh. Yeah, you're right. But, you're absolutely right. Whether it yeah, was official or yeah. not, yeah, you're absolutely right. Oh, definitely. But years later, from what that thing told. It, it was telling me, or I feel that this time in, in place that it was telling me I'm not, I wasn't supposed to be alive um, or be here anymore. Somehow, okay. I'm where I'm not supposed to be. Okay. Right, because that's that's but, that's what I took. I, I would have taken it as like this thing somehow or others aware that. When I was a child, I had a near-death experience, and I was resuscitated. God. Yeah, it took me years, though, to, to go back and think 
spoke to people and I, I think that's what it was telling me and I just didn't get it until later on so I get it sound, it almost sounds like you had to make a choice either write a book or I stay in law enforcement right well what happened here was what happened to the book so I had written five chapters it was uh, 1997 or 98 and I was uh, living in an apartment and I at that point I was on chapter five and I was like I'm just gonna do this I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it and a lot of stuff started happening Um, doors were slamming things were being left open and then suddenly my five chapters were gone I could could never find where the book went. What do you mean they were gone? It was gone. It was gone. The my five chapters are gone. I've had to rewrite everything. What? Yeah, just no. Apartment. So that so I didn't do anything for years until I think I started writing the book and I decided to do it fiction right. in 20, 2016. So it almost seems like they've been they, they they were keeping tabs on you. Oh yeah. So, okay. So it it almost sounds like you almost went like through, almost like twenty years between those five chapters and when you actually wrote it. So what happened? You stayed in law enforcement. Did you have any more experiences? What happened in that interim? Uh, I I had you know minor things. I went from law enforcement. I went into loss prevention. As a matter of fact, my newest book came out today, and it's called The Chronic. And it's fictional, but some of the stories in there are real. What's that? What's the title on it again? The Chronicles of Loss Prevention. Of loss prevention. Well, congratulations. Oh, thank you. So, and this is great because those are the books that, even though they're fiction, they're based on. You you understand very very well the reality of the book though, that usually translates very well when people write like that right and and, and you know the the, the run-ins like it, it this was an old building that the mall ended up being built around okay. um and there was shelters that had been closed off and lost to time um and okay. Until they decided to uh, to build a men's store uh, next door to it, and when they knocked out the the wall and found it, weird things started happening. Wow. I started wow. seeing apparitions. I wasn't the only one that saw them, <laughs> um, but I, I think just I, I don't know if I've been opened up to I don't know. It, it almost feels like different planes of existence or something. But you know what? I, I can totally understand it. But here you had a couple of episodes where it was like, that, whether they, they other people witnessed it, other people heard it, saw it. Oh yeah. And I wonder if you're an amplifier, if you, like, it's there all the time. But when you're in the vicinity, it kind of like turns up the volume or the visibility. Oh yeah, like when. Uh, from that time at the, the when I was uh, working loss prevention, um, I had a room main store, and we went uh, back to the apartment uh, one day. Okay. And the lady next door to us, she was elderly and she had passed away, and we were 
pretty decent friend with her. Um, when we came home a few times, we came home together, and all the in the kit, all the doors and all the drawers and everything were constantly being left open all at the same time. And it really freaked my roommate out. And for me, it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, but, ah, that's nothing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so they, they were just minor, minor experiences at that time. Um, okay. What was interesting was the day that I decided to start uh, like an outline of Dark Shadows. I pulled out paper to start putting ideas down, and the moment I put the pen to the paper, uh, in it was an old house that we lived at down the street. Uh, um, we had all the doors in the house had those big rubber stop, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, where you 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 can absolutely not pull those doors over those stoppers when yes. there's carpeting as well. You can't do it. Yeah, I know what you mean. And the moment I said, okay, I'm going to write this book. And I started the outline. Every door in the house and with such force that they went over all the door stops. And the, the room that I was in writing was my office. At uh, this time, I worked from home. And it had actually cracked the door about three or four inches upward from where the door, the door stop stopped. In South Dakota, we're looking forward to exploring new roads and wide-open spaces. When you're ready to travel, go great places. Learn more at TravelSouthDakota.com. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined not specific to 5G networks Uh, okay Okay. (laughs) well obviously you wrote the book but James you must have been like you know what I may not feel or hear them but they're aware of what I'm doing Oh, I, I definitely. I mean, even, well, I mean, there's so much, so much more too that it, it is a constant. But for me, it just it's not a big deal, and it doesn't matter anymore. But for like my my spouse now, she she doesn't want to know anything. Endurance <laughs> is bliss, the couple right? run-ins that yeah, the couple run-ins that she's had um, have freaked her out, and she, she just got it. And you know what I think is, and, and this is, you know, I don't know, this is just theories that I've heard that usually when you have something like that, like what you described, that requires so much force, okay? In other words, this is not like something that just fell over. This required so much force that usually that's an indicator that the entity or plural entities are not human because they say because of the vast amount of energy it takes to, to do that. And uh, I've never proved that theory one way or the other, but it sounds very plausible. Uh, as, you know how much force it would take to do that to those doors like that? Yeah, there's no way that uh, 
do it without, I, I mean, it would take a couple people to pull it and they would break the door. I mean, the door would break right, in half. Exactly. Exactly. It's something that, <laughs> that is like, and like you said, this is, there's no way to mistake this for something else. You know, sometimes certain things happen and people go, well, you know, maybe it could have been caused by this or that. Like, this, how could you mistake this for what it was? Yeah, no, there were six doors all at the same time, and nothing else, nothing else moved. Nothing happened to you know glass dishes that were down in the kitchen. There was no earthquake, nothing. Well, even an earthquake is like. Did you ever have any experiences where people either took pictures or video of you where any anomaly showed up around you? Not that I know of. Okay. No. Because I know sometimes that happens, people aren't aware, but then they'll, you know, somebody takes a picture and, you know, they have either some strange anomaly or shadow or something around that person. And your parents, your sister, you said, everybody, they just had like that one, <laughs> it was almost because they were in your vicinity, it seems like, that they had those experiences. Yeah, it, I I think the the one as a police officer manifested because of that family, just all the negativity. But just because of what I've been through, I, I tend to be step into those realms. It's right. I, I guess the way to to explain it. And, and so that was where the interaction came in that sense. But yeah, I, I agree. I. I think it's you know like like my wife says or what she's gone through she doesn't want to have happen again <laughs> I can't even <laughs> but you know what at the same time it's like I, I hate to say it but I think it's going to be something that's going to occur to you on and off I think through the rest of your life because just just something about oh it. yeah you know. it, well, it's crazy because not a whole lot has happened recently, but I was, uh, for the first time in, I think it was April or May of this year, I went up north to uh, Sedona, mm -hmm. uh, Arizona, for the first time ever. Okay. And the moment I drove into that town, I got so nauseated that I had to pull over because I couldn't drive anymore. Really? And the whole time I was in there, I in that town I felt like uh, and as I was in there the longer not one or two portals like I was used to seeing but I saw hundreds of these dark matter form all over in Sedona you know what uh, and I wouldn't be surprised because you know what I know Sedona has this reputation for being uh yeah, a lot of people is like the, the the very peaceful and you know spiritual you know place where you go you have a spiritual spiritual retreats but i think also that up there you have a lot of people sometimes dabbling in things with good or bad intentions or let's say good but ignorant intentions and i think that sometimes they do stuff and they leave you know they maybe they go there for a retreat or they do something and then they leave and i'm not surprised at what you're saying yeah, it, it, as bad anywhere as I have there, and I do a lot of traveling, and I go into a lot of strange places, um, you know, to photo and document stuff, 
What was and the perimeter never, of, of area that once you started, was it going into the town? Or was it once you were in the middle of it? What it, was it that you it, started it, feeling really bad? When I, I drove in um, from the Clarkdale Cotton Cottonwood side, mm -hmm. and I was okay uh, on the main street, but probably about a mile or two in, I started started having that just that. My GPS was wrong. It sent me to the wrong location, and it took me all down into the back. And when I got up against the mountains. Uh huh. I felt that was where I felt like I had to pull over because I thought I was gonna, you know, be vomiting, and uh, I had I had to constantly stop because I couldn't continue to drive. And as I looked up in the, the mountains, those portals were just everywhere, and they wouldn't stop. Have you have you uh, or they would. Have you researched if anybody else has had a similar experience like that when going to uh, to Sedona? I have not. Because I have a feeling that, they, I, I, I don't know why, but probably other people have had that. Like I said, because it's just, I think there's a, yeah. a, a concentration of spiritual energies there, and sometimes you have spiritual turbulence, and I can see well, why yeah, some people think it's great, but others probably have had a similar experience like yours. Right, I, I thought it was supposed to be this great place, and I've never felt so bad. And I just wow, what an eye opener that is. That's very interesting, very interesting. Because again, I, I've heard similar stories to other places where a lot of people congregate with, you know, I want to say spirituality slash trying to reach out and do maybe do spirit communication, you know, things along those lines. And sometimes those places, they they become, I don't want to use the word polluted, but it's the most appropriate one, which is stuff that, that's called in and left there. And then I think somebody like yourself, which is very sensitive, comes in and it's like, yeah, it's probably great for some people, but not for me. And now, I'm, I'm thinking, wow, thank God that you know that you seem to have taken all of these experiences in stride, you know, especially into adulthood. Has it, have you ever had an experience with maybe any of these entities or whatever it is that's positive in the sense of either protecting you or communicating you with you or warning you of something? You know, I, I, I don't know. I they, They've always seemed pretty negative. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to save this. It's like, a, you know, because, and the, and the only reason why I'm asking you is because when you, you said you had that, uh, that you said you went down to the basement and you saw all these entities and once they saw you, they were like, uh, they had attacked you and that you had that red light that basically, like, freed you and I was thinking man I wonder if this was I mean the spiritual cavalry in the sense of who was that that rescued you yeah I I, I don't even know how to explain what what it was it was just the brightest red flash that I've ever come across and the way that it like a wave 
and whatever it was, it just totally stopped everything in its tracks. Yeah, it, it almost seemed like it realigned me or put me back where I was supposed to be. And have you had any, um, how about in dream time, James? Have you had any experiences? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what 10-22-20-36 is about. Oh, really? Okay. That's a date. And what what is, in, in other words, it's fiction, but like your first one, fiction based on nonfiction. Right. Um, when I, and I, I don't have any ability when I'm awake. Um, right. But when I, sometimes when I dream, uh, I see things and okay. they happen. Okay. It's not, it's not always accurate, but I'd say maybe seven or eight out of 10 times it is. And pretty high right odds. now, I keep having a reoccurring dream, uh, gosh, probably for the last eight to 10 years. Okay. Uh, well, no, that's maybe about the last six to eight years, about the the October 22nd, 2036. Um, and I keep seeing something bad happening to the entire planet. Wow. But that's the dream. And so what I did in the book was I finished it myself with what I thought might be occurring in my dream. Okay. But I've never been able to finish it. it I always get a certain point. Um, and for some reason I wake up or I'm awoke. Same happening. Um, and not not paranormal or supernatural, but you know right. somebody waking me up or, or hearing something. Okay. And uh, I haven't had that dream in a few months, okay. but there was a point probably a year or two ago where I was having it maybe every other night. But before that, I'll have like little things like um, my niece had a baby and. Uh, earlier than what she was supposed to and I woke up and I told my wife hey she just had the kid and she was like just go back to bed and you know her sister called her in the morning and said hey she had the baby at this time and my wife was like that was the exact time I woke her wow so, so but then it, it manifested into this this October 22nd 2036 and uh, I've and is it, is it, let me ask, and I know what you're saying that you never see, is it, is it like, is it, is it a man-made cataclysm or is it something, let's say, like a meteor, you know, like, hey, it wasn't our fault, but how do we, you know, we can't get out of the way. How does right. it, it, it's, yeah, it's more that, it's not okay. man-made, right. and, and it's something that has happened and it continues to happen. We've just lost of it in the past and it happens at regular intervals when we're in a certain location that mm -hmm. our galaxy travels through or or our solar system travels through in the galaxy so in other words so it's I, like I something i want much... and, and, and the reason why i say this is that i remember when you know when well you were around you know when we were coming up to the year 2000 that they made a bunch of uh these end of the world kind of um 
movies because of course the year 2000 was going to be it and um, I remember what was it which was it uh, I can't remember the title of it but the one you know where they they had something like that a meteor coming towards the earth and I know that there's been theories that you know the extinction of the dinosaurs was caused well I want to say no it's not a theory I believe they they're they are sure that that's what happened and that's what caused the climate change etc so it's it's a very feasible but a desirable possibility. Yeah, and that that's along the line of what happens, and that was kind of what I'm trying to pass on in that book. Uh, what and I ended it in what I believe may be the potential outcome of my dream. And okay, and. But I, remember, too, that I've built a story around it, and I've turned it into fiction sure. and added more to it. I just tell people, you know, 40 50% of the, of the first book was real, and this one is just a lot of story, but that date is the important right, factor. And, James, have you ever had any uh, feelings or presentiments of anybody dying? Something along the lines of what you described where your niece had the baby, like, out of sleep, because I know that that happens to a lot of people. It's almost like when they fall asleep that their minds rest is when they get those messages. Yeah, well, and I, I think it's catastrophe that's going to end up causing a lot of people to not be here, and I, I'm just not sure how it ends. Right, and, and and I know that in some cases I know that what they call the Cassandra effect, which is where people that are sensitive or psychic, whatever you want to call them, for some reason they tune in sometimes, and it seems it's like always horrible or bad premonitions. In other words, uh, that that that's as a matter of fact, I've heard that a lot of psychics or people that are sensitive, that's why they turn away, like they want to shut it down. It's like I don't want to, I don't want to know about this anymore. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that is so. And when would you say was the last time that you had any encounter with anything? Oh gosh, it was probably in May of this year. Oh, okay. And what happened? But it, it no, it was it was just seeing a uh, shadow figure. <laughs> and that was, and were you? Were you the only one that saw it, or did your wife see it as well? No, no. The, this one came out of a portal out in the middle of the desert. Oh. That's got to be so disturbing that you're going out someplace where you think, there's nothing out here. Exactly. And you see something like that. And, and during the daytime. During, of all things, during the daytime. And I want to, I mean, I don't mean to be dramatic, but it always sounds like, this is like the portal to hell. And by this, I mean, it seems like, it sounds like, almost like what you're describing is whatever comes through there is dark. It's not like, oh, wandering spirits, you know, it sounds like they're very dark, whatever's coming in and out through those portals. Yeah, I, I, you know, after, I, I always, sometimes I, I tend to think that Having had that near-death experience, I crossed into maybe a, a higher and that gave me a tie to that same yes, 
absolutely. absolutely. So I, I, I don't know if they're all bad or, or just some of them. It, it always seemed to be just, you know, the one It was that group of them. It was just one that, that grabbed me while the rest just watched. It's still, it's... And it was like they weren't even aware of me un, un, until, you know, I, I made a, you know, a sound too close to them. Right. And you know what? I've heard of that description before. And based on what you're telling me, I don't, these sound a little bit like earthbound discarnates. These are not like, you know, people that have died and they've ascended and, you know, no, these sounds like right. what you're describing hey, sound. It seemed like, like they were going about their business. I'm sorry, what? It seemed like they were going about their business wherever right, right, they but, were. But in other words, they're still, and, and I know exactly what you mean, like they're almost doing whatever they're doing. Like, you know, like, you know, like when somebody's caught up doing something and they're just blind, they got blinders on, they're just doing whatever it is that they're doing. But exactly. I want to say that what you're describing is almost like uh, a, a dead person that ha has not ascended. In other words, they might be earthbound or in that in-between place for whatever reason. God, you know, it could be anything. They don't know they're dead. They're scared of moving on, thinking, you know, I'm going to go to a hot place. Uh, you know, things that human beings do when they have this self-awareness or, you know. And, uh, but yeah, I have a feeling that somehow or other that NDE gave you like a, a, a an extra connection to the other side, that in-between place or what they call the middle plateau. I've, you know, that was one of the references that I've heard, which is that area that's not our plane but in between let's say for lack of a better word heaven in other words like and I don't want to use the real heavy Catholic term but like purgatory but not really in the sense of like purgatory like punishment it's almost like an in-between place you're not in one part or the other but you still have that self-awareness as a human being if that's what you were at one point because I from what I understand in that middle plateau you have the existence of non-human entities as well so, wow. Let me tell you something. You should have stayed in law enforcement. You wouldn't have been scared of anybody. I, going through that as a kid, I, I'd be like, oh, I can, I can handle anything. Right. No, that, that's not, not much throws me for a loop. Let me ask you, how about your wife? I know that you said that she's, what, what experiences did she have, if, if uh, you could describe them? Was it when you were around, I take it? It. I, she's asked me not to. Okay, okay, don't worry. To about talk it. about we'll it. Talk so. about it then. But in, enough said that it sounds like she had a real. I guess what I'm saying is, I imagine that if you meet somebody, and they tell you, let's say maybe like what you told her, I imagine is when you were getting to know each other, you know, this happened to me. These are my experiences. And maybe even if you believe that person, I think that there's got to be that moment when you have your own experience that you're like, something like what happened with your parents when their bed shook, like. Oh my God, this is real. Right now, do you believe me? <laughs> exactly now, you believe me. Absolutely, that is right. So today you had your first book. I'm I'm going to ask you, uh, do you have? And by the way, that that thing that you had when you did the first book, that's never happened again when you started any of your other books. No, it it hasn't. It was that one first book. 
Would you say that it first that book one was first the book. one that was most aligned with the truth of your real experiences? Ian, I know you said you... Oh. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, it had started out, it was going to be an autobiography. Right. Let me ask you, James, do you think, I know it sounds like, do you think that the considering that they stole your manuscript, um, do you think that the idea behind it was not for you to write or put that out because they don't want people to know about them? I know it sounds like really, but I can't understand any other reason why. Yeah, it, it's possible. I, 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 I also always, you know, they just love to terrorize and maybe that that was what their what they were hoping would be the outcome right yeah and um that's possible do you get the feeling and i know that i've heard of this sometimes in connection with shadow people uh where that they they're either around when bad things are going to happen or when things bad things are happening or and it's almost like sometimes the theories that they feed off of, like what you described, negative energy, fear, uh, or what was going on in that household where the people, the adults were fighting. And, you know, like they, that's, that's for them is like what they feed off of. And do you think that that, that is part of what whatever it was that especially the that evil pan thing that's I, I think i have nightmares about that that that's why uh it would come around and terrorize you because it was feeding off that terror that you experienced i i almost yeah i mean i i don't see what what other reason it would have it, it just it it had it got pure pleasure from doing what it did and then the other it, it almost seems like i've come across three different shadow figures in my lifetime uh, that really just uh, an evil one um, and then the other ones almost seem like an out of place out of time mm -hmm. Fig like uh, I didn't belong and then the other ones just come in and out of and I don't know what they're doing but uh, you know, no, no contact with those ones. Right. But let me tell you, I think the most disturbing of everything that he describes is those portals that you see in the most unexpected yeah, they're places. Yeah, so, And it's like uh, it's like this thick, dark black matter. That's very disturbing. But you know what? I just think that you have the ability to see something. It sounds like without. That's just there, but uh, the majority of us just can't see it. We don't see it, but it's there, and you just have that ability to see it. Hmm. Well, let me. And are you planning your next book, or or am I getting ahead of myself? Considering you just had one issue today. Yeah. Well, I think my next one is going to be uh, non. Okay. Anomalies in the desert southwest. Um, uh, a lot of petroglyphs and pictographs and, and things that show, uh, you know, things that shouldn't be there or, or in the past that shouldn't have been around. Right. You know what? It's really funny that now that you mentioned that, um, I, this week I read that they discovered hundreds and th 
well, they think maybe possibly in the thousands of pictographs and glyphs in India and the in, in uh, I want to say is it the northern India, like wh where they think the beginning of the Indus Valley started, and it's incredible. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Incredible. Uh... You know, you know how they, you know those paintings that they have in those caves, like in France and Spain, where it shows where they would do like the bison or you know whatever animals, and it's incredible right. some of the glyphs uh, that they just discovered over there that have been there. They said some of the villagers, because apparently this is a really remote area of India, uh, s a few villagers in the area were aware of it, had been aware of it for hundreds of years, but most of them been, have been overlooked. And uh, they're saying this, it, they date it back at least to about 10,000 years ago. Um, so, yeah. Well, 10,000 BC, in other words, it's going to be 12,000 years. But way, way back. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, oh, I, I... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I'm convinced that we have lost history. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Thing a lot older, and I, I think that there's this reoccurrence uh, that has caused you know major catastrophes to yes. happen and wipe out you know a lot of people that weren't underground and that's why these large underground structures and um, that have housed 80 to 250,000 people you know yes and they, how they... do you build something like that unless those people had to live there for 100 200 300 years of course and what they were saying is that based on the glyphs it's, they say that whoever was there, they were hunter-gatherers. There was no, they say they don't show any type of depiction of agriculture as we normally would see it. Everything has to do with either hunting or animals or the animals of that time period, you know. So, which against, you know, this, we always think of civilization starting, you know, when people basically became agricultural and, you know, grew wheat or whatever and then they built cities but I agree with you I think that there's a lot of uh, much earlier civilizations that predate that oh yeah wow and uh, I think a lot of it's out here in the southwest in the desert southwest in the Sonoran desert and I know well I know that the and I I think I know what everybody else has heard about the Anasazi and that the you know that they've never kind of had a really good explanation as to why they abandoned that area that they lived at or what happened to them, you know, et cetera. And I'm sure that like that there's other stories or other things that have maybe have yet to be discovered. That's just one that's just received more coverage, I guess. Right. I'm in agreement. Well, James, it has been absolutely wonderful to speak to you. 
Um, do you have a website uh, that people could uh, either purchase the books from, or where could they go to to get your books? Sure, they're uh, for sale on uh, Amazon and uh, also at Barnes and Noble online. Okay. And I do have a Amazon that um, you know I try to put up uh, some of the new findings that I have, and all my books are there, and you know it'll take you take you right to them for sale where they're at. Okay, so if anybody, they can just go exactly right. You have an author's page on Amazon. Correct. Perfect, perfect. James, it, it's been great to talk to you. I'm telling you, I, <laughs> that story that you said, as I can't imagine. Um, you must have nerves of steel. I guess that's the only thing I can say. You must have nerves of steel. <laughs> Not much scares me anymore. I maybe, bet. Maybe it's people. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay, hey, go down to that dark room. It's like, sure, whatever. I don't care. It's like, you know, when people just become desensitized totally, I, I, I'm telling you, you must be considering what you've gone through since you were a child. Uh, that's incredible. But it was a fascinating story, and I want to wish you the best of luck on the new book and any upcoming ones, and hopefully Thank you'll you. come back and we can talk about those. And again, thank you so very much for joining us tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. So, guys, I'm t <laughs> you, think, you think I'm kidding? That man, nothing. He, I mean, you know how people, they hear a loud noise and they'll jump. He must be like, and nothing phases him. Nothing. I, I wouldn't. After that, I'd be like, nope. Loud noises, dark. I'd be like, eh, okay. Because, and it makes you wonder, you know, was what happened? I mean, I even thought about it. And I'm thinking, I didn't ask him because I'm thinking he wouldn't know. I mean, because when he had this accident, he was just a baby, you know, a year and a half as a baby. Uh, and I'm thinking, I wonder if this uh, dark shadow or whatever that evil pan for the love of my <laughs> if that evil pan was there before and maybe this is what caused him to have that accident where he almost died and luckily he was resuscitated but I wonder if that thing was I mean I know accidents happen it has nothing to do with things but it makes me wonder uh, if that thing was around and Maybe perhaps, obviously he was targeted. I mean, it sounds like his the rest of his family had a very, compared to him, a very slim brush with this. But absolutely, he, it makes you wonder, was he the target or was he the target because now his ability was like, I don't want to say amplified. And I mean... You hear the theory that children in and of themselves, because they don't have that filter yet in their mind that they usually get when you're about seven or eight years of age, are more accepting and they just see and recognize a lot of things that from the paranormal. But can you imagine you're a kid and then you've had a near-death experience, so you must be to the unth power. But God, considering how dark those experiences were, I wonder if he still leaves the closet door open. 
<laughs> I don't think he would have appreciated it if I asked him that. It'd be like, huh? But I. Uh, let me tell you, that would definitely, especially his first book that he said is a is a thinly veiled, fictionalized, real autobiography. And yeah, and I understand totally when he described like, hey, I had to make a choice either write. Th well, besides the fact that his manuscript disappeared, uh, stay in law enforcement or write a book. Ah, but you know what? We make choices, and I still think that there was something. Th how can I say something in the background that it was like we can't we can't let this person describe how common portals are how's that we can't if people uh, if the living realize that these portals can just basically open up anywhere wow because you know a lot of people think of portals as either being conjured or opened by somebody with that intent or some somebody doesn't know what they're doing or you know, I mean, it, but in other words, it's, manu it's a manufactured event, but what if they're not? What if portals can open at the behest of the dead on the other side? What? Hmm. So much for that haunted house theory. It's like any place you go, there they are. Very interesting. But anyway, guys, uh, again, I'm back to uh, what I had promised you before, which is that I would look at the questions that I get you know and you know I kinda like look at it and say okay this is this is a question that a bunch of people have asked and I had a few and I was like well let's see what do people want to know about as far as common with with the supernatural uh, the way one of the things that I think that are that a lot of people want to know about is when it comes to uh, protection, and by this I mean there's a lot of people have told me, well, you know what, I thought of doing that, but sometimes I get scared because I'm thinking, what if uh, what if something follows me home? Some some what if something attaches to me? What if I um, come across a dark entity? But I'm really fascinated, and I look at all the ghost shows, and I read all the books. But God, I'm just scared. I'm I'm afraid of worst case scenario. And the truth is this: if you want to do it, <laughs> it's not you know. First of all, reality TV is heightened because, of course, it's got to draw in and keep its audience. But in truth, you will run across a lot of cases, number one, that are duds. By this, I mean there's nothing really supernatural going on, okay? You might have something going on in the household. You sometimes run across individuals that they're attention seekers or even sometimes that have something, you know, if not out-and-out out mental illness, it's just something that's not right with them. And they are convinced that what's going on is supernatural and it's not okay and every once in a while you run across some like that and uh, there's others that you go and there isn't anything that, that be, but there just isn't it's just 
natural occurrences, the wind, uh, something that's loose, pipes. Uh, sometimes people don't realize that they've gotten an animal that's gotten in between a wall or upstairs, pigeons. Uh, it could be a host of things that could be making a weird noise at certain times. All right. And again, because of the reality shows, everybody jumps to the conclusion, oh, it's supernatural, it's a ghost, whatever. Again, and this is the thing, as a paranormal team, what I'm saying is you will go to a certain amount of these investigations that turn out to be duds. You go there, you set up equipment, uh, and nothing ever happens. And then after a while, when you start looking at what's there, what's not there, you realize there's nothing supernatural. And, you know, you kind of fall asleep a little bit, and or, you know, but... And then, of course, you run into the ones where you do have something going on, you know, family is describing something that you know in other words that they got their head pretty well straight on and they start describing things and then you know your team starts finding stuff that shows there's some type of anomaly sometimes it's just a regular dead person in other words by this I mean it's not dark it's not a non-human entity it's in other words that's not that common uh, and you're going to have the people that are very excited and basically they're calling in a team and you, you'd be surprised maybe they've called in other teams. Just really what they're trying to do is find out how many ghosts and who are the ghosts and oh don't shoo them out. And, and I've talked on other shows about that. I don't think it's a good idea but that, um, let, forget that. And basically they, they, they just or they want you to confirm what another team said. Okay. And that's it. You're really not asked to do anything except work it. And then you get the other ones that will tell you, oh my God, yeah, nah, thanks for letting me know I'm not crazy. Now what do I do? I don't want that thing in my house. Ah. You know? And, you know, you could do a blessing for them. Especially if you're really determined that... And, and a lot of times when you question people, you find out, when was the origin of this? What was a triggering event? Like I said, sometimes you find out, hey, it's not the place, it's a person somebody will fess up along the way that maybe they've had experiences for many years on and off okay or the death of sometimes family friends and it's really weird because sometimes everybody thinks that you know uh, when you can start getting these manifestations it has to be somebody close you know like as a family or a very close friend and sometimes it's not you'd be surprised Sometimes you will get a person that died that was maybe a friend of the family's that you think, well, why is this person? And a lot of times maybe that points to that there is somebody in that family or living there that has got some type of sensitivity. And that spirit is trying to get to somebody. In other words, just something holding them back. Whether it's acknowledgement, whether it's because they got a message, because people unexpectedly and they feel like they've left a lot of loose ends and they just try to gravitate to somebody they know that might have the ability to either hear them or see them okay and that's why I'm saying sometimes when you ask people have you lost anybody uh, that fits it and they'll look at you and go huh no uh, no my grandparents or my whatever no that and then every once in a while sometimes they'll come back and they'll tell you hey you know what I just realized or I spoke to somebody in my family that this person that 
this person either committed suicide or this person died or this and that happened maybe a month or two months ago and they'll they'll be thinking man that's a real stretch but I say sometimes the desire of a spirit to communicate with somebody doesn't necessarily mean that you were close to them in life it just means that they're really desperate and you're about one of the somebody here has got the ability they think to see them or hear them or something and then every once in a while then you're going to fall come across the dark ones okay and but to be perfectly honest with you these are the least of the experiences that you're going to have i guess my point is that if you want to get into doing it uh, I know that there's some teams also that they do the equivalent of a ride-along. In other words, you know how the police, you can do like a ride-along? Well, you can accompany them and see because I think there's a lot of people that they see the shows and then when the reality of it comes about, they're like let down. Like, this is it? This is boring. I'm, uh, You know, and uh, sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes a lot of these investigations take place on the weekends because... This is the time that the family's at home or, you know, that nobody's working or that they can actually let you into the house. I, you don't know how many times I've stepped in to help different teams that know me uh, because I've been around for so long because their members, they, they didn't have manpower. Yeah, they have the members, but then when they try to put together, put a team for the case, people beg out, oh, I can't, I'm traveling, my sister's wedding, or I'm sick. Why? Because it's on a weekend, <coughs> excuse me, or whatever. So a lot of people that get into it, they're very let down after they go out on a few of them because they f they think it's boring and, well, I thought I was going to see stuff fly across the room. Nothing like that. That's the thing. This work sometimes is very subtle, very subtle. If, if there is something there, okay. Uh, and then, you know, it's the field work, and I've said this before, this is where you develop your skills as a paranormal investigator. Okay, so I would say fear is not a good reason not to do it. It is, there should be a level of fear which should teach you to be cautious about certain things or about listening to your gut. But it shouldn't stop you from doing it if that's what you really like, okay? Because the truth is you have make a lot of good memories there's a lot of laughs especially if you're with a group that you gel everybody knows what they're doing and you have some great times because as professional which you should always be professional you can be very professional but still let's face it some of the things that you run across it's like they're hilarious they're funny and you know you're all there trying to capture that moment <coughs> when you see hear whatever um but, like I said, I think it's, for somebody that really, really is doing it for the right reason, it's super interesting work. And despite, and I agree with a lot of the paranormal investigators that have been around for a while. You know what, all these gadgets and things that they have to measure and all this, that's great. And But to, to be honest with you, some, some more of them are best used for show like if you have a reality show but when you come into the reality of when you're there somewhere doing an investigation sometimes with limited space depends on what where you're doing it sometimes you can use the basics to capture evidence and it works just as well because some of these some of the equipment sometimes ends up becoming more of a distraction 
than actually helping with the investigation. So, despite uh, anyway, despite all the recognition, if you want to call it that, that right now is surrounds like paranormal investigations and this and that. I think that it's still a very vital field for somebody that's really into it, is willing sometimes to maybe go out there on a weekend, uh, you know, give up some of their free time, and maybe go out on cases that are like boring, even if there's something there, or going and thinking, oh my God, this person's off their rocker, we gotta go. <laughs> and sometimes you come across places that are really 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 awful you know yucky you know I would say the majority of places I went to as far as if when they were residentials they were pretty good it was I never went to some place that was like oh crap this is really scary like this is dirty but you know sometimes you do run across those things but if you've got the internal the true desire to see what you can capture, what you can experience. In other words, you're not in there for the sensationalism. I think definitely you should pursue it. You should pursue it. And don't get discouraged when you go to a lot of investigations that uh, are boring or time consuming or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're always going to have that eternal hope that you're going to come across that one case which is the one where you capture some type of evidence plus there's always the idea that you're helping somebody and by this I mean some people are legit you know for all the ones that I say hey you know they're so excited they got a ghost and they want you they want their names you've got another set of clients which are totally scared out of their minds about what's going on and they just don't know what to do about it and they don't know how to handle it and they maybe they don't even have the the prerogative they, they, they can't move it's like hey I, I can't financially or whatever I don't want to you know so here they are uh, and being able to help them either because you do a blessing or you explain what it is or you put them in touch if it's something very severe with maybe somebody that does uh exorcism or house blessings you know because really if you go by Catholic right you can't exercise a house you can exercise a person they can do a blessing on the house which is like kind of like the exorcism of the building kind you know but you don't you don't exercise a house per se and sometimes I'm going to say the most powerful powerful thing that any person or family can do is to take back ownership and control of what's going on put a lot of happy music watch a lot of happy shows okay and laugh the spirit away everybody's gonna go oh Marlene uh, yeah a lot of people feed into with their fear and negativity and sometimes dynamics that are going amongst the people in the house they they feed it fertilizer to whatever is there and it's like you can't do that you cannot do that anyway guys next next show I'm going to probably talk about people who are asking me about um, family curses you know when families are cursed or they're hexed or they've got a spirit that follows the family around generation to generation 
people have asked about that. I'll talk about that next time. But anyway, subscribe to the channel or, you know, if you're listening to us on a podcast platform, if you're going see us on YouTube, remember I'm on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, I'm on all those podcast platforms. Uh, if you're a true believer, send me your story. I'm still getting a lot of fantastic stories. Go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. There's a Submit Your Story tab. Or you can send it to me at Marlene at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Either way, again, uh, I'm, I have a lot of super interesting shows. I've done a special uh, little show that I put together for Halloween, which is all about ghost stories having to do with St. Augustine. Um, But besides that, I have a lot of interesting guests coming up. And uh, believe it or not, I'm already on the verge of starting to work on season six, season six of Stories of the Supernatural. Okay, that's how far in advance we've gotten with the, with the show and what we're going to be doing, which the reason I'm bringing that up again is if you have suggestions on a topic that you would like to hear about, discussed, if you have a guest that you heard that you would like this person to come back, or maybe you've heard this person on another uh, show and would say, hey, Marlene, can you bring that person because they have this new book or I would like to really hear them, you know, discuss things with them because their topic of whatever interest or their their area of specialty is that let me know let me know i will make every effort to contact that person what's the words that can tell me nope oh all right <laughs> okay so but a lot of times to be perfectly honest with you i would say 80 percent of the people out there whether they're authors or experts or just people plain old people they're very agreeable to coming on and talking about what everybody wants to talk about which is the weird stuff the paranormal stuff so again, got a lot, a lot of fantastic shows, but I'm always open to new areas of show material. And of course, something that you, the audience, is going to want to listen to and talk about. Also, I'm not sure if this is going to air before that. I got, I got to look at my dates, but now at the end of November, I'm going to be... Uh, on Vegas Supernatural with Reverend Sean Whittington. He was one of my guests and great interview and he's asked me to appear on his show so I'll probably be posting that up once he lets me have the the, the podcast once it's recorded but I'm gonna be that's gonna be a live show with with Reverend Sean Whittington on Vegas Supernatural. So again guys take care and thank you so very very much for being part of my audience and spending this time with me. Take care. With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com smartmarketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.